KPCA LP, Petaluma, California. Good morning and welcome to Inside Petaluma. I'm Cindy Thomas here with co-hosts Jason Davies and Janice Cater-Thompson, who may be joining us later this morning. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're doing good. How are you? Trying to stay cool, getting so hot <laughs> out, you know, with all this crazy heat wave stuff. Yep. Yes, it is. It's it's going to be a hot one today. And I'll mention that today for us is Thursday. We do pre-record the Inside Petaluma on Thursdays by way of Zoom video conference while the offices of Petaluma Community Access remain closed due to COVID restrictions, which may be lifted soon. Wow. Things are getting better. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I think I was telling you earlier today, Jason, that it was 76 when I was out and about at 8 o'clock this morning here in Petaluma. Yeah. 76 degrees already. I just battened down all the hatches, closed all the windows, and drew the shades down. And fortunately, my house is pretty well insulated, and I'm staying very hydrated, drinking lots of ice water. So uh, I feel for people, though, that don't have well-insulated buildings that they're in. And of course, there's good reasons to get them uh, better insulated because they're more efficient, and there's a lot of energy issues there. But just imagine if you're in a house that has no air conditioning and it's not well insulated, that must be very difficult. So I I definitely feel for people in that situation. And of course, the drought, it keeps getting worse. Uh, We are in a serious drought. We're going to have to have uh, cutbacks of 25%. And some things just aren't going to be allowed. You aren't going to be able to wash your car, um, which makes sense. You're not going to be able to operate ornamental water fountains and uh, swimming pools you can't fill those up not new swimming pools or spas there's gonna be some restrictions on irrigation during the daylight hours you know i was driving by uh, in fact i mentioned this to the mayor yesterday i was driving by the santa rosa junior college in in petaluma and it was around 9 30 in the morning already pretty hot and i couldn't believe they had their sprinklers running and i'm sure it was just like an automatic thing mm. but I'm, I'm hoping that we can clamp down on that stuff because it's an enormous waste. I was just going to say, you, you mentioned that, that we would have to, we have to reduce. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've continued to reduce from the last drought and I don't know how I'm going to be able to reduce anymore. I know that is kind of the bummer situation is if you've already been good and already cut back 20%, you're supposed to cut back another 25%. That's pretty difficult. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I understand that situation for sure. Uh, we don't have a lawn. We haven't had one for ages. Yeah, and I don't have so a lawn I've either. I've been cutting back on landscaping. I mean, you don't want to see my backyard. It's <laughs> it's not very pretty. Lots to do. I've been seeing lots of pictures of the Nicasio Re- Reservoir uh, and how low that is. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've we're in for some tough times. Yes, we are. And then there's the fire potential. Wow. On a positive note, it is good that the COVID situation is getting better. I'm seeing a lot more activity around town. I saw a lot of people eating out last night. Uh, I just hope that the variants don't bite us. So we'll have to see how yeah, that goes. That, yeah, that's, that's the scary part. And seeing how many people are maskless out there creeps me out a little bit. Yep. Anyway. I know I'm not really used to it. I was I was walking with my mask outside the other day and I realized like I was one of the only ones. <laughs> I ended up taking it off and uh, my son was walking downtown. He was he was going to leave the house and he had his mask on. We're like, "Oh, you don't have to have it outside now." And he's like, "I'm just going to do it anyway, you know." Yeah. For yeah. solidarity. <laughs> Probably hear more. I know that Kalosha is meeting today, the 17th, to define what things are going to look like now that the the June 15th order was uh, we don't have to wear masks anymore, but Kalosha has their own set of rules, which is what's going to apply to us when we do go back to the studios. Mm-hmm. And so 
kind of waiting to see what that's going to look like. So um, I'd like to introduce our guest today. We have with us Renee Ho, who's the founder of Petaluma-based organization Amor Para Todos. And I'd like to welcome you, Renee. Good morning. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. As you said, yes, my name is Renee Ho. My pronouns are she, her, and ella. And amor para todos means love for all. I'm very grateful to be here. So again, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, we uh, were going to expect Janice uh, Cater Thompson to be here. And here she is. Hi. Good timing, Janice. We just introduced Renee. Great. Good to see you again, Renee. Hi, Janice. Hi. Wonderful to see you. <laughs> you too. Thank you, you for too. having me. Yeah, you were uh, fabulous last night at the Democratic uh, Southern County, County Dem Club and speaking. Was, oh, thank you. I was grateful great. to be there as well. Yeah, well, we were great company. to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Renee, you want to start off with um, telling us uh, about uh, Amor Para Todos and how you came to found the organization? I would love to. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, in 2019 is when I started Amor Para Todos. I was born and raised in Petaluma, and I am a mother of four children who are under 10 years of age. I have a kiddo who is transgender, and they transitioned at three and a half and began communicating that they were not who we thought they were as soon as they were able to speak around two years old. I will refer to my child as kiddo and will be using the they, them pronouns for them to respect their privacy. What I did before I had kids for about 10 years was I was a teacher. I teach special and regular education. One thing I found when my kiddo joined TK in the public school system is that there were an array of wonderfully loving, supportive teachers that really genuinely wanted to care for and serve my kiddo the best they could support my kiddo. Though what I found was even the most wonderful, loving teachers, if they don't have that base education and how to work and support transgender, non-binary, LGBTQI plus kiddos, then that can create a hardship for these kiddos. So I realized that these teachers, they needed some anti-bias, gender, LGBTQI plus training. I did research for almost a year trying to find with my teacher hat, my mother hat, what was the best training out there? I came upon welcoming schools, which is under the human rights campaign and found that they were the only training in the nation that was specific for elementary schools. I also found that they had a high fee that I was assuming a school district would maybe not fund. So that's when I was advised to start an organization to to raise funds for it. So that is how Amor Para Todos began in 2019. And since then, A lot is continued forward in a very wonderful way, but that was our beginnings. I read in Petaluma 360 an article about a project that you are uh, working on. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that project? I would love to. Or as much as you want. Sure, I would love to. The project is called the Saving Lives Now Project. Another reason that I started Amor Para Todos was... My husband and I, we did our absolute best to, when my kiddo transitioned, to learn everything under the sun we could to best support them. You know, when we do searches, especially online, pretty much everything comes up and even the not so fun or wonderful things come up. And that's what happened for me initially. I found that my kiddo lied in a statistic that could be pretty heartbreaking for any caregiver, parent, guardian, which is that my kiddo has a one in two 50% chance that in their lifetime, they will attempt to commit suicide. So when I read that, I it just, in a sense, even though it was disheartening, it motivated me and it made me with passion and love know that I would do whatever I could in my power to not have that statistic come to fruition. 
So that was another main reason that Amor Para Todos started. I realized and I had heard from began getting people reaching out to me when they started hearing more about Amor Para Todos, sharing stories about their LGBTQI plus kiddos, their fears, um, some who I know who have lost their lives to suicide. And that's when the Saving Lives Now project began And when I came up with that idea that there are some key components that I really believe we could act on to be a part of lowering those suicide statistics and saving lives. There are five components of the Saving Lives Now program. One of them I already mentioned, which is the anti-bias, gender, LGBTQIA plus inclusive trainings for schools. I, one of the teacher roles I had was as an early intervention teacher. So I really believe in the power of educating and training our little ones very, very early. And so these trainings for the project are to begin, the hopes are to begin to be most effective as early as TK in the public school settings. In the past, I have also reached out to preschools and some were open too, because it definitely starts in preschool as well, um, a binary societal model. And so that is human rights campaign. The welcoming schools is the main training that we're advocating with, though definitely open to other similar like trainings. So that is the first step of the project. Another part of the Saving Lives Now project are Amor Para Todos, and we use the acronym APT, student clubs. So some of you uh, here listening may have heard before of GSAs, Gay and Straight Alliances, um, which got changed to Gender and Straight or Sexual Alliances. I'm sorry, I actually don't know the most up-to-date for that. Though the Amor Para Todos student clubs are different, but also similar to GSAs. The I did another search looking for if there were GSAs in elementary schools, and in the past couple years found maybe about a handful throughout our nation, and felt from experience with my kiddo that being every day during a school year, going to school, being with your peers, learning life at school academically, but also socially and interpersonally. If one, whether they in, they are in the LGBTQI plus community or not, if they are not feeling they are in a space that is conducive to be their true authentic selves, they're really not reaching their potential to grow in that school setting. And When I say grow in a school setting, I don't just mean academically, because my belief as a teacher, person, parent, mother is that for our children in the schools, it's just as important to learn social and personal skills than it is academic. I believe those two go hand in hand. So what is really wonderful about these Amor Paratolo student clubs at the elementary school level is all children, not just LGBTQIA+, but all have a safe space where they can meet and they know that they, in that time, can be who they are. They may not be ready to be their true authentic selves and come out in whichever way they are, but they know they have that space to do it. And there are two groups of the club for ages. It's kindergarten through second grade and third through sixth grade. And there are APT student club advisors in each each of those subgroups. And they are student-led. The advisors are there just to advise and the students take the lead with what they feel they need, a social hangout, songs, doing mantras of being yourself. Each club is very unique to the students in the club. That is the second piece of the Saving Lives Now project that we hope to have at other clubs and other, sorry, other schools. It's began at Loma Vista Immersion Academy in the old Adobe Union School District in November, and all was virtual. 
there is yet to be an in-person meeting. And then the very end of the school year, La Tercera Elementary School started a virtual APT club as well. And there are advisors through the remaining three, all the Adobe Union school districts, that if they would like to, they will be able to start up next school year along with a school in California that I was told at the Pride Picnic recently last weekend at Santa Rosa, Juilliard Park, that there is a, a school in Santa Rosa that also wants to implement an APT student club in their school as well. Great. Renee, I, have, I have a question going back to um, welcome schools. Sure. Um, and I'll just read the question out. Sure. To what extent will curriculum, curriculum be uh, brought into the schools and isn't it true that if the public schools accept federal funds, their hands are tied on what can actually sit, what they can actually say, and how much human sexuality you can teach. So, is that a conflict with um, the schools funding welcome welcoming schools? Um, to to the best of my knowledge. I don't think it is okay. a lot. The wonderful thing about um, I'm really glad that's a great question that you brought up, because I believe a lot of questions that arise are due to um, just not even having had the opportunity to learn about a lot of the laws that are out there in California and uh, uh, including myself until I started a more put told us I had no clue about what could be taught, what couldn't be taught. And I think what happens um, regularly is that people think, oh, gender LGBTQIA plus in elementary schools and schools that I do not want my child in that, or if welcoming schools trainings comes in, then is that going to adapt our curriculum? Are we going to lose funding? So to the best of my belief, that is a wonderful question, which is that I believe due to lack of having the information, if human rights welcoming schools were to come in, I believe some people would think, well, are we not going to get funding? Is this going to adapt our curriculum? Are we allowed to teach these in schools? Two parts of the Saving Lives Now program, two of the components, they can seem to kind of mesh together, but they're actually quite different. And I think this is where some of that curriculum uncertainty may come up. There's a family life sex ed curriculum, and there is just a general curriculum, and they're very different. And so in regards to if an anti-bias gender training comes in, that would possibly adapt both of those, which is our hope, but really it would not change anything that isn't already law. Part of the Saving Lives Now project is that we are trying to just have schools, districts be in compliance with the laws that are already in place. So in regards to a gender LGBTQI plus curriculum, there are laws already in place in California, the FAIR Act, which has been a bill for several years, which really wants schools to talk about gender LGBTQI plus in history. There are other curriculum, the California Healthy Youth Act, which people refer to as CHIA. That is for family life sex ed. And what happens is a lot of people, parents say, oh, I'm going to, you can't read that book in my child's second grade class about a transgender kiddo. That sex ed, I am going to pull my kid out. But actually by law, Guardians cannot do that because it's distinct difference. And our Amor Paratola's website, uh, we have all spelled out the complete distinction and difference of that. So I think that is a common misconception and that someone asked, will this affect curriculum? Um, it will, but it will be in a good way because it'll just help schools be in compliance um, as California Ed Code already is recommending curriculums to be gender and LGBTQI plus inclusive. Those are also on our website. Um, are you looking for volunteers that would love to help? Always. Okay. We always are. Yes. When we started in 2019, it was myself and I was trying to get a couple other parents from Loma Vista Immersion Academy and my family members. And we started off with a group of around five people. And now our organization has around 80 members, a diverse group of uh, administrators, educators, parents, 
aunties and uncles, grandparents, brothers, sisters, doctors. I mean, I believe we have a great group of many, but yes, I need to do a better job of reaching out and delegating. And so I would always love anyone and everyone to join Amor Para Todos. On our website, we do have a Google Doc connection form that someone could fill out and say they want to join. And it's very simple. Love for love for all is, again, Amor Para Todos. And I tell people whenever they join or want to help, I feel like a lot of people say, oh, but you know, I'm so busy with this and that. And it is so true. Time is so precious. So I tell anyone who wants to help, it is a negative zero pressure or stress to join because whatever anyone can do at that moment, whether it's two years ago and then a year later, they're able to help again. And there's a last in between. It's all wonderful. I, any, any help is wonderful. I had somebody that reached out to me and she is a therapist Mm -hmm. and she works in a private school, but um, would really like to start getting involved um, locally. And this is something she'd like to participate in. So I will connect you. Thank you. We are happy to have anyone helping. That sounds great. Great. So I've had these conversations with um, some people about this subject. Sometimes one of the concerns I hear is that kids at at an early age may not be certain about it. They may think they are. They may not be certain. Maybe they're too young. What do you say to people that say kids at that young an age are too young to try to actually make a physical transition and that they should have to wait? Because I know that's that's an area that that comes up sometimes. And and it's it's kind of a tricky one to answer. But how would you answer that? That's a wonderful question. And I'm really, really happy you asked it, Jason. Uh, First, what I would say to people who have that question is that I believe that you all listening who may be thinking that completely have a hundred and more percent right to feel however you feel about that. That is a valid question. Everyone's feelings that they have are valid and true for them. So I just want to start out by saying that. Secondly, um, for me, I believe my experience is a personal one. What it comes down to in my belief is that If a kiddo says something at two and we don't listen, and one of the main rules of thumbs with kiddos who may transition is that the words consistent and persistent. Uh, Of my four children, some of them had said, you know, similar things in the past, or I'd rather be this, or I want to wear this but it, it's, it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if there's that consistency and persistency, I believe as parents for our LGBTQI plus kiddos or our cisgender kiddos that we need to listen to them. They're communicating to us. We're their adult and we are the ones that support and advocate them for whatever it may be in their life. So I believe, and I had the same fear. I'll be completely honest. What if I let my kiddo transition and what if they want to grow their hair back or what Mm -hmm. if they say, Oh no, that's not me. And you know, that's okay. We let them try it. We let them be who they are. And you know, 20 years down the road, Oh, I remember when I cut my hair and I liked that, but that wasn't me. Or I remember when I transitioned and that saved my life because I think what happens is when we, is guardians or parents um, let that fear take over, which it's a real fear. I, I, I can relate to that. We just want what's best for our kiddo. Though if we hold back for the fear of, oh, well, what if they change back? Mm-hmm. To be honest, I think that would definitely not be the worst thing to happen. Right. Um, what the uh, a worst thing to happen would be is that if we didn't listen as guardians and parents and the consistency and persistency of that communication of our kiddos continued, though it was ignored. That is a part of when suicide statistics do arise because kiddos aren't having a space to explore. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite quotes of all time is the only constant in life is change. Mm -hmm. So I believe whether that's with a person's gender, what they like, 
it's all a journey. It's all a road and that can all be fluid though. I feel like if our children are able to communicate who they are, it is uh, our love journey to listen to them and let them take that journey and support them. I think with the haircutting, that's, that's not a big deal because hair can grow back and there's no negative side effects from cutting hair physically. But what I was getting at more was like hormone treatments, actual mm-hmm. surgical procedures, things like that. And I think the question is, as you mentioned, it becomes fluid. People can kind of go mm-hmm. back. That's sometimes a concern people have is that at mm-hmm. that age, is is that safe? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. You're an expert on this. Sure. Well, thanks for that To I love being completely honest and transparent and mm-hmm. I wouldn't call myself an expert yet in regards to the blockers or surgeries as my kiddo still is young. We are just learning more about that, that aspect, but yes, I have, what I have learned is, is a bit, and it's not just a quick thing where someone says, I want to go on hormone or puberty blockers, right. or I want to go on testosterone or estrogen, or I want a surgery. There's specific things that need to happen before that takes place. So I think that could be another misconception that, oh, you just quickly get on puberty blockers and then what's that going to do? Or you get on this and that can affect this, though it's not a quick thing. There is appointments with endocrinologists and uh, pediatric gynecologists and you have to go in and do intake. I mean, that is, it is a lot of work. It's not just something that happens overnight. And from my knowledge of what I've learned so far about puberty blockers is it, it, to me, again, we want what's best for our children and nothing has been red flag for me and what I've been learning in regards to puberty blockers or that, but what is a clear red flag on the other side is not doing that and having LGBTQI youth be in a body that is not authentic to them. And again, that is when the suicide statistics come in Um, from what I've learned about the puberty blockers is that when you're off of them, you're off of them. And then puberty will continue on with the biological body. So it's nothing that would affect that in a negative way to the best of my knowledge. Well, it's important to dispel some of the myths because some of the people I've, I've talked to they they make it sound like it's just, yeah, they decide and they do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they can't even drive a car yet. Like, you can hear those kinds of arguments come up, but mm-hmm. by uh, dispelling that the myth that it's a, a casual procedure, someone can just do on a whim. I think that's important. So I appreciate your answer on that. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. My absolute pleasure. A few years ago, I heard a panel in Marin County and um, a mother started this group, and it was for um, transgender children. But there were adults also on the panel, and they really just talked about the experience. And, you know, when you're an adult, it's so different than it is in 2021, you know, versus in the 1970s, 80s, mm-hmm. 90s, and even 2000s. And it was it was one of the best panels I had heard because the – the people speaking were very open, but the mother was just so open about um, how she processes, you know, all of this. And, and it was really interesting because the man who, um, who went through the surgeries or, or people that go through the surgeries, it's really hard for them because they're not cared for afterwards. A lot of times you don't have people that care for you. Mm-hmm. They're left alone. And many times they're living in their vehicles. And this one particular man, he had gone through um, surgery and nobody was there to care for him. Mm -hmm. And it was um, it was really heartbreaking listening to what a human goes through um, because politics is a is a big part of it. Yes, I definitely believe in one circumstance as well. I don't recall the name of the organization, but I believe I did a panel a couple years back or last year with Jordan Decker and his nonprofit is to do with what you were speaking of is to support people, drive them 
to and from have them cared for after surgery such as that. So that is definitely a, a piece that is in is in need for sure. Well, this panel it just had all different ages. And so they were talking about, you know, the hormone therapies mm-hmm. and, you know, and the different processes they went through. And it seemed as though this one person really um, made their own decision, but they were, they were a teenager mm-hmm. or, you know, in their early twenties, but mm-hmm. they'd been going through that process for a long time. Mm-hmm. But by the time they were a teenager or older, they could actually understand what's going on and make choices for themselves. And I was so impressed with the mother mm-hmm. who, um, who worked so well with her child to make sure that he or she was included in schools and just in life in general. It was, it was a very good panel. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. That can, again, all life-saving things, any kind of support with there's one, one supportive adult in the transgender youth life that also can soften those suicide statistics as well, whether it's in the family or not. Um, And it's alarming when you're saying 50%. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's a huge number. It is. It is. And there's another piece that I would love to share with you all in regards to the Saving Life Now project to also lower the statistics of suicide and mental health, which is all gender single stall restrooms. Mm -hmm. And this is another law that has been since 2017 in California, which is all single stall restrooms in the community in California need to have all gender signage. So the majority of restrooms have are binary. So they are male. What I mean by that is male or female, Mm -hmm. though, That is another huge thing for trans, non-binary youth. And again, all of the work we do is intersectional. So all gender signage for single stalls greatly benefits many different populations. I know a kiddo who would hide near a tree because they weren't comfortable going in the communal restrooms, not in the LGBTQI plus community. Though I also do know of kiddos in the LGBTQI plus community that will retain their urine for entire school days pre-COVID, 8.30 till 3.30, which can lead to infections, which can lead to having to be on antibiotics, to missing school. And again, so then instead of being able to focus on the content that all kids are learning in school, there's focus on retaining their urine. So there's this law in place that we're just trying to show community businesses, any place, schools, this has been around since 2017 and let's let's get in compliance with it. APT recently partnered up with Sign Optima. They helped us with a couple other organizations, one called the Degenerator and another a while back, people who have tried to modernize and intersectionalize the traditional restroom signage. So we worked with them and helped come together to have a more custom intersectional sign that is ADA and Title 24 compliant. So instead of the traditional blue color, it is black. Also, the the toilets look a little more fun versus, you know, these old kind of complacent toilets. Uh, the wheelchair um, is before, um, we also looked a little more complacent and one of the wheels is slightly up. Um, to show being in a movement. And they are also bilingual in Spanish and English, the verbiage and the braille. And so anyone who uses a more para todos code can get a 10% discount from Sign Optima. And then also Sign Optima is giving 10% back from those orders to a more para todos. So it is a wonderful uh, incentive to have businesses, schools be in compliance and to also bring in an intersectional approach to the restroom signage. And as far as compliance, how compliant are businesses and schools? Um, you know, I just have from what I see, so I I don't know per se, but 
from, again, my experience, whenever my family goes out, I would probably say 95 to 8% of the time restrooms are an issue. And um, my kiddo would prefer to hold or wait till no one is there. Um, So I'd say there's not, and again, a lot of in saying that I want to be fair, that not every place we go to has single stalls. This, this 2017 act is for only single stalls. I think that is another thing to note. Some people would think, oh, you know, they're trying to make all gender for communal restrooms where there's more than one toilet or urinal. That's not the case. That isn't the law. It's just for single stall restrooms. Mm. Uh, Though, even, even though when we are out in the community, the majority of the single stalls do have the signage that has on the sign, a boy looking person and a girl looking person with a line in the middle on that single stall restroom. And again, that's a binary model that not everyone fits into. So, um, but yes, it is, that is something that is very challenging within the LGBTQI plus community. So we are really excited to have that partnership with Synoptima. And just to be clear for our listeners, a single stall—that's your—that's con- a conventional toilet that's in that's has walls around it and a door. Correct. Or- mm-hmm. okay. That is, you're right on that, Jason. Yes, and just one toilet inside, or okay. one urinal. So two people logistically could not use the bathroom at the same time. It's one person in and out at a time. Single stall, single use. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Renee Ho, who's the founder of Petaluma-based organization, Amor Parat Odos, and you're listening to KPCA 103.3 FM. Um, Renee, uh, how is the organization being funded at this time? I would say about 98% of our funding comes from an annual fundraiser called Give Out Day, and Horizons Foundation in San Francisco annually hosts this virtual fundraiser though what Amor Potatolos did three years ago was we brought the virtual fundraiser to life and we're not able to do that this past time due to COVID but we are excited to be doing that this year and June all the entire month of June June 1st hits and anyone can donate to Amor Potatolos via the give out day fundraiser all the way till June 30th at 8 59 Pacific time. And this fundraiser is for all LGBTQI plus organizations throughout the nation. It's wonderful and a beautiful thing that happens. Though the truth of it is, is that our majority of funds come from this fundraiser. So we are really excited to share that on June 30th at Ayahuasca restaurant in Petaluma downtown from 3 to 9 p.m., we will be bringing the Give Out fundraiser to life in a dine and donate style. We are excited to have DJ Val be our DJ from 7 to 9 at the event. I hope to see many of you on the dance floor as I cannot stop moving once any music starts. So I will be on out there if you want to come dance with me. What we will also be having is Ayahuasca will be donating some of the proceeds from whoever dines there to Amor Potatolos as well. You all can come and reserve a table ahead of time, which is recommended. I have heard that tables are starting to book up on that day, June 30th. So anytime from three to nine, you can reserve a table and go online to Ayahuasca and reserve a table. For those who like to take out and not dine in, you can call in and place an order and say that it's for Amor para todos. And part of that portion of what you would pay for the food will also go to Amor para todos. We're excited to have some other additional things. We have a raffle. So anyone who donates on site will have tables and laptops set up where people can donate there. We'll get one raffle ticket and people can donate as many times as they want. The wonderful thing about the fundraiser is that the 
the organization with the most single donations, not necessarily the highest monetary amount, but the most single donations can win additional prizes, monetary prizes. We won $2,000 additionally for being the small organization bracket that had the most donations. So anyone on site that day who donates gets one raffle ticket. Ayahuasca is wonderful and they're making us a special TMR Potatolas drink that night. So also anyone who orders the drink, which proceeds will also go to Amor Potatolas, will get another raffle ticket. We Some of the prizes so far is an Amor Potatolas future shirt, um, some wine, some camel gap gear, and we are continuing to make the raffle prizes more, must. <laughs> We're continuing to get more as we can. We also will have little bracelet um, packets for kiddos as they come, whether they stay and dine or don't. I know having four kiddos, as I said, under 10 to sit down at a table while people are dining is quite a task to have them actually stay there. So we want to have some goodies for the kiddos as well. We'll have a little spinning wheel that Kids and also adults, um, if they want to spin the wheel, they can win some candy. So we'll have lots of things going on. And, you know, people don't have to come and dine and dance, even though I would love for you all to. If you just want to come and say hi and make a donation or get some raffle tickle tickets or just support, that's another option too. come on by. We're going to have a table in front and outside. And Ayahuasca has outdoor and indoor dining options as well. So we, we hope our goal is to raise $20,000 this year. A lot of that would go to funding our Saving Lives Now project, to sustaining and maintaining our organization, to other projects, to funding our mission, just to make our schools and communities more gender and LGBTQI plus inclusive, bring the intersectional signage for the restrooms into our communities and schools, fund these APT clubs for resources that may need projects the kiddos want to do, help the districts pay for gender inclusive family life sex ed curriculum that's in compliance, help them pay and fund for general TK through sixth grade gender and LGBTQI plus curriculum inclusive um, books, things that to help them be in compliance with California ed code and law. So we hope to see you all out there. It's going to be a great time filled with lots of more, lots of love. Now, is, is your organization uh, a nonprofit? That's another great question, Cindy. We actually have a fiscal sponsor who we adore. Petaluma People Services Center is our fiscal sponsor. And okay. love, love Elise Hempel and mm -hmm. grateful to be able to work with mm -hmm. them and grateful that they are our fiscal sponsor. So any donations that one would make uh, to this effort would be tax deductible. You are completely correct in that. They will be. Yes, each go. one will be yeah. tax deductible. Mm -hmm. yes. So you're still taking raffle prizes? Oh, definitely. Yes, we are. We always were happy to take raffle prizes. Yes. So people Thank you for asking. Go to your website or what's the best? Yes, way? yes. On our um, on my website there and on the More Potatolas website, there is a, a Google form that you can fill out and have any questions or there. And also um, I, the email is amorepotatolas um, in apt at gmail.com. So that is a-M-O-R-P-A-R-A-T-O-D-O-S-A-P-T at gmail.com. Amorapatatodos, A-P-T at gmail.com. Also can inquire anything through that email as well, which all is also on our website. It is A-P-T Amorapatatodos weebly.com. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you had talked about the five pieces to your uh, project. Did you, did you get all those in? I did. Sure Thank you, you did. for asking. Yes, it was the, to, to, that was the anti-bias gender inclusive trainings for the school staff okay. and administrators, the APT student club, the all gender single style restroom signage, and to help curriculums be in compliance with Chaya, to have gender inclusive family life sex ed curriculum. And then the fifth one was to help support schools be in compliance with the California Ed Code to have general TK through sixth grade 
inclusive LGBTQI plus and gender inclusive curriculum. And I know I've talked a lot about elementary schools. That clearly has been a more Potatolo's focus is it stemmed from my young kiddo that we also do have interest in expanding onto the older levels as well. Great. I, I have just a quick question going back sure. to, I guess it's um, as far as bathrooms in the schools. Sure. Are, are the schools in Petaluma all in compliance, every school? Uh, to the best of my ability, no. Mm-hmm. And is it mandatory by a certain date after um, it was passed? Um, you know, I don't 100% know the answer to that question, though. I don't believe that someone is, you know, every year coming out and, you know, auditing and checking, do you have all gender signage? Though, from what I've talked to administrators and schools and going in, I know that the majority are not in compliance Mm. with them. But I don't believe someone's coming to check and that schools are losing funds or whatnot if they are not. Do they, do the schools, do they have to have an ADA bathroom? Oh, yes. Yes, that they do. Um, Everything does need to be ADA compliant. Yes. So if there is wheelchair accessible, there does need to be signage that on that there's a wheelchair on the sign as well. So that's one thing that we're working with schools too. That is already in place, though we're working when we are updating and making the signs intersectional and compliance that those in schools that are ADA um, that do have wheelchair access, that those are included on the signs that we're updating as well. Because it's, you know, you're kind of wondering what the schools do in case somebody is in a wheelchair. How do they accommodate? And it seems like you would accommodate all of this in one. And I completely agree. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I know it is love that if there's new buildings being built, that then the all gender signage that has to happen, though, what I think is a lot of the restrooms and signage in schools and community have been built before 2017. So I think that's where a lot of the not being in compliance comes into play. That seems unfortunate. And maybe we need to move forward with another AB, you know, 20 going on. I completely agree. I would be all for that. <laughs> So do you work with any politicians in Sacramento or in Washington, D.C. on this? I don't. Another great question. You know, I to be honest, I feel like with my four kiddos and home, I, um, you know, the most of my work is at night. My eyes, the majority of the day are, you know, bright red from due to lack of sleep and work, you know, because when I work during the day, they're here and here out of a TV show they're watching right now. So (laughs) it's quite quiet on my end, but usually it's the opposite. And so I do my best to focus in on what is the most crucial at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have not had the opportunity yet or the time to expand outside of Sonoma County. Well, think globally, act locally. Yes, that's right. Um, Renee, I wanted to ask you, how many of your kids are of school age? Are Um, they all home? Well, yes, I, they, my oldest three are in elementary school and my youngest, okay. unfortunately just missed that TK deadline. So we'll have another year of preschool. So, um, but I haven't yet had a year where all my kiddos are, are in school. Okay. I, yeah. So, so even so next year. It- you're, you're a stay-at-home mom? I am. I, I am a uh-huh. stay-at-home mom. I've been extremely grateful to have the opportunity to have done that for the past 10 years. Um, it's interesting because I feel since Amor Potatolo started that I've had a side job, <laughs> but it's a it's, you know, it's my passion work. So I'm mm-hmm. happy to do it. But yes, it's not at the moment. I hope that I can make it a job and I'm working on it where it can be a job where I can get funds to be able to continue doing that in a sustainable way. Um, so that is a goal and something I'm working on. So, so there's no, no plans to go back to teaching then. Well, I just recently, I, I, to supplement, um, I probably will start substitute teaching next year. Teaching is also a very huge passion of mine though. Mm-hmm. You know, the only constant life is change and this is my new higher passion than teaching. So I, my, my ideal goal is to maybe sub part-time, but then be able to make a more pot as my job where I can get paid for it. So that is my, that is what I'm working towards. That's a goal. 
Thank you're you. the perfect person to do this. Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm still going to go just quickly back to um, that it is not a law, but yet um, there's a Richard Scaff. He you can sue on ADA, and you know if for bathrooms and different things. And so I'm just curious. It, it's just so if you have to go in that direction, it's wrong. But I just feel in today's world, our schools need to be in compliance, and there needs to be a law that says that they need to be in compliance because it's detrimental to a child's health, yes. their well-being. Yes. Um, it's just, you know, overarching. And, um, you know, I, I went through the Petaluma school districts and, you know, you find out how many gay and lesbian um, people, students um, didn't come out of the closet for a long, long time. And, you know, now they're very open and speaking up. And so it seems like maybe an org. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this for you. <laughs> Yay! Please do. <laughs> we need all that see, to see what we can do to uh, maybe get some changes at the state level. But my my concern is always going to the federal level, and then having the Supreme Court have a say in it. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. And is, you have to be very cautious. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I appreciate any any extra support there. <laughs> and we do have that 10% discount from Sign Optima to help motivate. <laughs> so I just wanted to check in just generally, how's your kiddo doing these days? Are they facing discrimination? Are are they do they have a good support group around them? How is it? Um, I think again, um, very respectfully, I'd love to just answer generally um about that. I I think one thing that I know for um, an array of LGBTQI plus kiddos, um, the pandemic has been challenging for them. Um, you know, clearly my kiddo is supported, yeah. <laughs> started the organization for them, though um, it has been challenging for other kiddos that don't have the support and their support may have been from their peers outside of school, but they had to stay in um, in home, you know, mm -hmm. Um but aside from that, generally speaking, COVID, no COVID, every single day, I feel like there are bricks um, on the shoulders of LGBTQI plus youth. Um, and that things that I never have to think twice about yeah. are thought all throughout the day for these youth. And that is very heavy for especially young little kiddos. Um, yeah. So you know, we, with those who have the support, it makes it better though. It's pretty consistent. Um, I'd say discrimination looks differently. And I think sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it isn't, but with these youth, one thing I've recently learned is that people's comments and lack of education, even if they're not intentionally trying to be hurtful are just as hurtful mm. um, because they bring up conversation. They, can out someone um, with not even intentionally trying to do so. So my kiddo and I know other kiddos have support. Not all do though. Um, it, it is a daily challenge. Thank you for asking. We've been talking with uh, Renee Ho, founder of Petaluma based organization, Amor Para Todos. And I want to thank you Renee for being here today. Um, a lot of interesting conversation. It's been my absolute pleasure. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity and to talk with you all and spend the morning with you all. So again, wholeheartedly, thank you all very much. Okay. And keep yeah. us posted on, on your good work. Thank you. You've been listening to Inside Petaluma here on KPCA 103.3 FM. And the views and opinions expressed here on Inside Petaluma are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of Petaluma Community Access. And that's it. Uh, we're done for another week. Please do come back again next Friday. We're here every Friday, 11 to noon. And you can also stream us live at kpca.fm. And our website here at Inside Petaluma is insidepetaluma.com. You can hear previous shows, including this one, from our website, and you can also listen by podcast. So did I forget anything? Oh, our, our Facebook page, KPCA Inside Petaluma. Give us a like. And thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. See you next week. See you later. Thank you. Bye.